to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a PCUSA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children like me and youth and adults at ndpc.org. You can also follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come join us in person. Okay, that's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. The first scripture reading is from Isaiah 42, 1 through 9. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised raid he will not break. And a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. And now a reading from our gospel passage, Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, the story of the baptism of Jesus. Hear now the word of God. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, but do you come to me? But Jesus answered him and said, let it be so for now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. So he consented. Then when Jesus had been baptized, just as he had come up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, the beloved with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. 
It is such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you this morning. Thank you for the invitation to preach. I was happy to do so as I'm in between calls. My robe was in storage, so you even lent me a stole. Thank you uh, for, for the invitation to be here this morning. And I want to say thank you to you, congregation, on behalf of my husband, Andrew, and my family, our three children. We have been so blessed to be in your midst in these last several months. The parenting class and the Sunday school classes for our kids have just meant a lot to us. You are such an incredible congregation, so keep being you. Keep being wonderful and do all that you do here. It's a real honor to be here. Friends, here we are, all of us, today at the beginning of the new year, 2023. I had to make sure I got that number right in my head because after the pandemic, who knows what year it is, right? 2023. My family rang in the new year in Florida in sunny sunshine, and it was horrible to have to come back to reality. <laughs> of course, as soon as we did, it hit us hard as we knew it would, not just the daily grind of school and life, but additionally, because it's the beginning of January, we are all under the bombardment of the new year, the new you. Commercials, social campaigns, influencers, songs, radio hosts, TV hosts, where everyone is talking about the new year. And they're not subtle, are they? You, they say, need to change. You need to be something more, something different. Be thinner, be smarter, be stronger, be more fit. Be someone who does more things. Even my four-year-old in the car asked me what a diet was. I informed her that it means everything that you eat. For example, our family's diet includes lots of donuts, especially on Sundays. We'll see how long that remains her definition of diet. <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Do you do them? Do you like them? Do you resist? The possibility of improving ourselves, becoming someone somewhat improved, is very tantalizing. Setting goals and driving ourselves to achieve them is an admirable activity in this life, and it is a gift bestowed to some, but not to all. You might decide to lean in to the pressure around you this time of year and use it for good in your life. If others around you are focused on the same goal, the same area of self-improvement, then it can be a helpful tool in accomplishing your own. Personal growth is a lifelong activity, is it not? So why not start again now with something new and fresh? But we did just do this last year. It's not like a year is a long time. Are we supposed to strive for more and more achievements, more and more qualities, more and more definitions, accumulating them as part of who we are? I mean, some of us might be in a place this year where maintaining our status quo actually is forward movement because there's so much working against us. So whether you're up for a resolution or you're resisting this year, regardless, the new wave is upon us, asking us all the same question, who are you? And if we get asked that question too often, if we get pushed too deeply and go down that rabbit hole, it won't be long before we feel like Alice, who has fallen into Wonderland, and after one bite shrinks down to an itty-bitty size no smaller than a flower. She looks up at a pushy caterpillar who is asking her that exact question, who are you? 
And Alice replies rather shyly, I hardly know, sir, at the present, at, at least I know who I was when I got up this morning, but I think I may have changed several times since then. What do you mean by that, says the caterpillar sternly. Explain yourself. I can't explain myself, you see, because I'm not myself. I don't see, Lewis Carroll writes brilliantly for the caterpillar. I'm afraid I can't put it any more clearly, says Alice, for I can't understand myself to begin with. When we lose track of ourselves, or when we're preparing to embark on something new, which is happening in this new year, this is a great time to remember who we are, what is important to us, how are we going to embark on this new year. And I think it is quite providential that every year in the church liturgical calendar, Baptism Sunday falls at the beginning of the new year. And we are reminded exactly who we are because we know whose we are. We belong to God. We know that we belong to God because we are claimed so in our baptisms. In our baptisms, God claims us as God's beloved children. Pope John Paul II once said that what was important to him was not the fact that he was Pope, but the fact that he was baptized. In our baptisms, we are granted this unassailable identity, this unchanging definition of who we are. We are God's beloved. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's beloved. Amen. We are all God's beloved. When I am putting my children to bed at night, we sometimes get very descriptive with our love language for each other. I love you stronger than a hippo. I love you deeper than the ocean. And once my five-year-old learned the definition of infinity, that was the winning ticket right there. I love you higher than infinity. That was always the end. Until one day she said, I love you more than Jesus loves you. My pastor's heart just palpitated a little bit, and I said, not possible. Jesus loves you, loves me and you more than anyone has ever loved anybody. And she said, yes, Jesus is the best lover. <laughs> it made me giggle a little bit. <laughs> but then I remembered this lovely descriptive language of the Trinity around love that describes God as the lover, the giver of love. Jesus, as we read in scripture this morning, is the beloved, and the Holy Spirit is the love between them. That doesn't make you giggle. God is the giver of love, and in our baptisms, we are brought into that belovedness with Jesus. And we have the Holy Spirit, the love between them, between us, with us. And we can be that love today and every day. In our baptisms, we come to know who we are, and we grow into more fully who we are as God's beloved children. Our baptisms, as we were reminded in the liturgy, were not only a one-time thing. I am bordering on heresy here. Please don't report me. It only happens once. I know that. But it describes who we are even still today. Baptism is about the present. Even when I described Pope John Paul II, I said that he was baptized. I should have said he is baptized. 
Just like when we describe other areas of ourselves, roles that we take on, descriptors of who we are as parent, teacher, uh, sibling, tall, we don't say, I was tall or I was a sister, pointing to that moment when we achieved that quality about ourselves. No, we say, I am tall, I am a sister, I am a parent, I am baptized, I am a beloved child of God. I think we all need to reminding of that, especially in the beginning of the new year. This is not a New Year's resolution that we can fail to live up to. This is who we are. We come to church every week to be reminded that we are loved exactly who we, as we are. There is no prerequisite improvements required. We are beloved by God, and that is who we are. And remembering that truth, feeling that truth, letting that identity be our core and fill us up empowers us to brave the world ahead. We can be loved and we can become even more beloved in all that we do. We can take on whatever the world throws at us. Be thinner, the world says. I am already beloved, we say. Be smarter, the world says. I am going to be loved. Be richer, be loved. We claim that truth for ourselves over and over and over again because it never changes. It's always true. And then we use that gospel power within ourselves. God invites us to then share it with those around us. Upon remembering our own belovedness, God empowers us to extend that same belovedness to others. Friends, when we are baptized, we are baptized into a family, God's family, God's beloved community. And we belong to each other as much as we belong to God. I am a week early in mentioning uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. for next week, I'm sure, but it can't go unmentioned about his constant preaching about the beloved, what he coined the beloved community. He said, the beloved community is the desired aftermath of the nonviolent path towards ending racial justice. The beloved community, he said, is created only by the power of love that can do miraculous things like change the hearts of oppressors so that there can be new relationships created after the battle is over. The beloved community, he said, is the one of mutual respect and friendship. Dr. King's daughter, Bernice A. King, who runs the King Center now, responded to the eruption of white supremacy in the year 2020 with a campaign entitled, be love. You can check it all out on the King Center website, and there's even a pledge that you can sign. And it's interesting, the beginning of the pledge starts with three acknowledgments about the world. That reminds me a lot of the three professions of faith that we take at our baptisms that we turn away from sin, that we profess Jesus as Lord, and that we promise to live into our baptisms and nourish those around us as well. The pledge says there are evil powers in this world for sin and injustice, and we have a decision to make to choose to be a part of the change for good. The Be Love Pledge says this, starting today, I make the personal choice to be love. I pledge to allow love 
to drive my thoughts, words, decisions, and actions, to honor the humanity of every individual. I pledge to speak the truth to power and love. I pledge to focus on defeating injustice and not destroying the person. I pledge to only support leaders who demonstrate a love for humanity. I pledge to promote unity and refuse to perpetuate or magnify division. I pledge to demonstrate a life of courage, care, and compassion as I confront anything that stands in opposition to love. I pledge to help create what Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. called the beloved community. Even in that pledge, too, I hear echoes from Isaiah's passage that was read from chapter 42. A servant who I uphold, my chosen, I have put my spirit on him and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not grow faint or be crushed until justice has been established. I have given to you, I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes of the blind and bring out the prisoners. See, the former things have come to pass, and now new things, I declare. A pledge, a promise, God's gospel truth for us. Now, I know what you might be thinking. I'm thinking it too. A pledge sounds awful lot like a resolution. This is not another New Year's resolution that you need to add to your list to be love and sign that pledge online. But this is a thing that God is doing and has been doing and will continue to do. God is doing a new thing. And God's invitation to us to be love in the world is here every Sunday, is here every day when we wake up. We are not sent into some year-long challenge that we fight against and track our numbers. This is not a program that measures scalable results. This is our life. This is God's world, the world that God has in God's hands. God is inviting us to be part of this truth of the power of love all around us. This is who we are, friends. We are the beloved. I love breath prayers where you take a moment to center yourself and breathe in words of truth and breathe out words of truth. So I invite you now as I close to center your body, maybe put your feet on the floor and get comfortable. A breath prayer that might guide you through this week that you can come back to. As we breathe in, we remind ourselves that we are God's beloved. We breathe in, I am God's beloved. And we breathe out, be love. Breathe in, beloved. Breathe out, be love. Beloved. Be love. Be love, because you are so beloved. Amen.